Welcome to Man of the Making with former monk Rajan Shankara and myself, Rogus. So getting right into it, what advice would you give to people who are struggling to deal with quarantine, whether it's with other people or in isolation? Yeah. <clears throat> well, um, I know there's a lot going on right now and quarantine is, is kind of going an ongoing process and it looks like at least for California where I'm at um, another month of social distancing shelter in place and in other countries it's it's uh, going to be different uh, either to more extremes or less like Sweden who hasn't really uh, followed the same model and we'll know a year from now if that's if that's something that we should have done. <clears throat> but something that I rely on uh, and something that I wanted to, I mentioned to Rokos before recording was that what I do in times like these is, is what I, what I've been trained to do is, is to, uh, I'm a little always sheltered in place in my mind. And the teachings that I've internalized have helped me through this kind of isolation training. And it's something that, something that the military does with every soldier. And it's something that a monastery does with every monk. And that's a part of um, self-discipline. It's a part of self-mastery training. And for me, these are the times that I actually thrive in. And I think that everyone can thrive in these times, not 24 seven, but in moments of the day when it actually gets unbearable or difficult, then that's when you kind of keep your head down and get back to it, get back to your training, so to speak. It, and I know it's difficult if you have kids, especially because the kids are home and, and it's it's going to be hectic. But I, I hope that people can use this time to get even better at their parenting, even better at their discipline and, and, and stay focused. And I think now is a really good time to be tested to see what you're made of, right? <clears throat> so... Something I've been doing uh, during this period, uh, aside from working my ass off, is I've been rereading re Musashi. Um, Musashi is my favorite publication ever written. It, it is my favorite book. And <clears throat> if anyone is wondering why my voice, my voice has changed and it's kind of going a little bit, I don't have coronavirus. It's I, I teach uh, two evening fitness classes and I stream them online to people in California, um, to a select group of about 60 people in California. So uh, I'm yelling every evening <laughs> at, from 6 to 8 p.m. <laughs> teaching people fitness. Um, but what I've been doing is is rereading uh, my 1,000 page ebook of Musashi and I'm almost finished again. And it kind of inspires me when I get off the path. Um, I know we haven't gone over this book before, and it's 
too long to kind of fit into a short time frame. And we will one day. But there's a few key things that I've noted um, that I think can help. And when Musashi just gets out of a three-year isolation period that he went under, <clears throat> sort of like a prison sentence, because Musashi used to be this murderous samurai. And he wasn't really a samurai when he was younger. He was a thug. Um, and he was a just a murderous, lost youth uh, and a soldier um, who was finished with a war within the country in, of Japan in the 16th century. And he was kind of lost and didn't know what to do. And eventually he got into some trouble and a monk who took over his case for the state ended up locking him up for three years in isolation okay three years and he was in a small room and it was filled with books and training manuals philosophy you know the art of war was in there and all he had to do was bear down for three years and change and transform himself and he did so when he gets out he he actually changes his name <clears throat> from takezo to Musashi. And the monk Takuan, who looks over his three-year sentence and actually looks over the rest of his life, asks him if he wants to go see his family, if he wants to kind of start a family or live a normal life now that he's free from his crimes. And he's done his time and everything. And Musashi says to him he asks the monk is his sister still alive and the book says even in his sleep he'd never forgotten his sister who'd been a mother to him since they were so young and Takwan told him that when he'd attacked a stockade three years earlier his sister had indeed been taken away no charges were pressed against her but she had been reluctant to return home and went instead to stay with a relative in a village in the Sayo district. She was now living comfortably there. Wouldn't you like to see her? Asked Takwan. She's very eager to see you. I told her three years ago she should consider you dead, since in one sense you were. I also told her, however, that after three years, I'd bring her a new brother, different from the old Takezo. Musashi pressed his palms together and raised them in front of his head, as he would have done in a prayer before a statue of the Buddha. Not only have, I, have you taken care of me, he said with deep emotion, but you've seen to my sister's well-being too. Takoan, you are truly a compassionate man. I don't think I'll ever be able to thank you for what you've done. So at this point, this, this monk has basically intervened in, in his family's um, destiny <clears throat> and helped support them since he's a great, the monk is a great friend to the rulers of the country. Takuan, the monk, goes on and says, one way to thank me 
would be to let me take you to your sister. No, Musashi says, I don't think I should go. Hearing about her from you has been as good as meeting her. Surely you want to see her yourself, if only for a few minutes. No, I don't, I don't think so. I did die, Takuan, and I do feel reborn. I don't think that now is the time to return to the past. What I have to do is take a resolute step forward into the future. I've barely found the way along which I'll have to travel. When I've made some progress toward the knowledge and self-perfection I'm seeking, perhaps I'll take the time to relax and look back. Not now. I see, said Takwan. I find it hard to put into words, Musashi says, but I hope you'll understand anyway. I do. I'm glad to see you're as serious about your goal as you are. Keep following your own judgment. I'll say goodbye now, but Sunday, someday, if I don't get myself killed along the way, we'll meet again. So, when I read, when I reread things like that, <clears throat> it reminds me of it. It always reminds me of what's going on in the world right now. Um, at any point in time, let alone a pandemic. But if I'm in a confused state, if I am kind of lost, if I am not sure which way to turn, I remember that I need to turn inward first. And I guess as a former monk, that's something that I remind myself of constantly, that I'm not a normal person. I can handle extreme situations and I want to be able to handle extreme situations. I don't want to be one of the people who are frightened by things going on. And I'm talking to people in my family, friends, um, and clients of mine every day who are frightened. They've lost their job. They're on unemployment. They're not sure which way to go. <clears throat> and I ask them to, to turn inward first. So what do you mean by that? I mean, we can look outside of ourselves for a solution. Or we can look inside of ourselves to be content, to be secure and to anchor ourselves in our own, our own heartbeat. The fact that we're alive. I want people to focus on the fact that you still have blood flowing through your veins. And no matter what happens outside of you, that part of you needs to be checked into first. So our gaze is always outward using our eyes and using our mind. But I want people to close off that vision for a moment, close your eyes and forcefully turn your gaze in internally, turn it around. And like you're in a movie theater and instead of looking at the screen, turn around and look up at the projector Look inside yourself for security and anchor there. <clears throat> and that's what I that's what I mean by that. 
Keep well, Musashi called after him. He stood at the crossroads, watching the monk's form recede until it was out of sight. Then, once again, alone, he started to walk toward the east. Now there's only this sword, Musashi thought. The only thing in the world I have to rely on. He rested his hand on the weapon's handle and vowed to himself, I will live by its rule. I will regard it as my soul. And by learning to master it, strive to improve myself, to become a better and wiser human being. Takoan follows the way of Zen. I will follow the way of the sword. I must make of myself an even better man than he is. After all, he reflected, he was still young. It was not too late. His footsteps were steady and strong, his eyes full of youth and hope. From time to time, he raised the brim of his basket hat and stared down the long road into the future, the unknown path all humans must tread. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> something Musashi does regularly is look to his sword for security. And in ancient swordsmanship and, and Japanese lore and philosophy, the samurai sword is, is indeed the soul of the samurai. So whenever Musashi looks at his sword, he's looking within. He's not looking outside of himself and thinking, what is he going to do about circumstances about the unknown future he's looking at his spirit and he's he's anchoring himself in the security that he has the ability to see to look and then what happens with everyone in the world is when we're encountered with tragedy or trauma or conflict we only look at that. We look outside of ourselves. We look at the trauma. We look at the tragedy. And what the path, the, the path of Zen or the path of the sword or the path of oneness, all of it is asking you to do the same thing. It's asking you to look within because you can look, because you can see. And it asks you to anchor your security in that instead of the world, which is always changing. It's always fleeting. It's always goading you on like a donkey and a carrot, but not the inside of ourselves. I could lose my career today. I could lose my partner. I could lose my car. I could lose my mother. I could lose my father and my two sisters who live in Texas. <clears throat> and I would have to deal with that tragedy. But one way to remain secure is that the entire time <clears throat> I'm anchored in an eternal spirit first. I don't lose sight of those other things altogether because I have love, I have compassion. 
I have a connection to all those things. But <clears throat> the first part of me looks within first. That's where it goes. And then it looks out. And then we see how bad the, the, the damage is and what's been done. One of the uh, moments after Musashi got out of his three-year isolation is uh, he ran into a woman who has fallen in love with him. And one of the greatest parts of the tale of Musashi is this tug of war between his sword and this woman, Otsu. And she loves him dearly and wants to follow him everywhere he goes, but he knows that he has to focus. And it's kind of the great love tale and love story within this, this beautiful novel. And she's asking him to follow him and, and join him on, on his path of self-mastery. And every, every reader wants him to, you know, invite her and, and live a happy life and everything. But he's got his mind set on self-mastery. So he says to her, I've told you, I've just become a new man. I stayed in that musty hole for three years. I read books. I thought. I screamed. And I cried. Then suddenly the light dawned. I understood what it means to be human. I have a new name. Miyamoto Musashi. I want to dedicate myself to training and discipline. I want to spend every moment of every day working to improve myself. I know now how far I have to go. If you choose to bind your life to mine, you'd never be happy. There will be nothing but hardship, and it won't get easier as it goes along. It'll get more and more difficult. And the thing with the pandemic and being in isolation and social distancing, shelter in place, and all that stuff. It's, it's part of the path. It's, it's what Musashi is saying here. What, <clears throat> what doesn't get easier? And life isn't supposed to get easier, in my opinion, in my experience. Life constantly fluctuates. And I think it's that kind of mentality that has allowed me to stay focused in this, this period uh, allowed, allows me to stay grounded. And right now I'm basically, I moved from Colorado to California and I'm in a compound basically with, uh, Helena, my partner. And, um, with one of my mentors who lives in the, in the same compound in a different house. And he's with his wife and I met him in the monastery and um, his name's Mike Roski. <clears throat> and he's a business coach and a, and a life coach and a, and a mentor to people. 
and he teaches fitness and various different things. And, you know, we're all here together and we're, we're just bearing down. Like we're getting after it. We're trying to increase our reach to the world. We're trying to learn different ways to help people faster ways, different ways to calculate what's going on and, and how we can reach more people and what all this means to the path. <clears throat> and to be honest, life could go on like this for all it does. I for all it it can. I, I really wouldn't I really wouldn't give a shit. I'm I'm content. I'm I'm good with being in this compound and getting after it, you know, changing what I do to get to people, to contact people, to, to learn more about how I can be self-sufficient. And I'm ready to, I'm ready. uh, We should always be ready for worst case scenario. If you don't know how to farm, if you don't know how to, how to wash your own clothes and, and, you know, maybe you should, you should start learning different things. And I realize now that that's why the monks had me train for seven years with my hands, you know, working with the soil, growing food, you know, that was the first part of changing my mind and refining my being and learning how to meditate was, was understanding how a seed started and turned into a plant and then fruited with started with flowering and then created fruit and harvesting that and, and getting your nourishment from your hard work. That was all part of the path. That was all part of the path of self mastery. And a lot of people have skipped that part of life, right? So then they're dependent on their government. They're dependent on society to provide for them. And that's a great shame on whoever trained you. You know, we should be ready to dig in the soil and cultivate and nurture so that we could nourish ourselves. And I'm ready to do that. It's not going to get to that, obviously. You know, we're not in a wartime position. And humans will obviously come out of this just fine. But if you're in a situation where you're, you're, you're so confused and thrown off and you're having to struggle with isolation, it's time to, tra- it's time to train. It's time to get after it. It's time to work towards cultivating yourself. You know, start to learn more about how you can become better. Learn a new trade if you've lost your previous one. It's, it's not easy. But nothing worthwhile ever is. By doing those things, you know, no matter how bad things get, you will survive. You will get freedom. Of course, of course. Yeah. And there's a beautiful passage here. 
that goes into some of that in the in Musashi. Fighting isn't all there is to the art of war. The men who think that way and are satisfied to have food to eat and a place to sleep are mere vagabonds. A serious student is much more concerned with training his mind and disciplining his spirit than with developing martial skills. He has to learn about all sorts of things, geography, irrigation, the people's feelings, their manners and customs, the relationship with the lord of their territory. He wants to know what goes on inside the castle, not just what goes on outside. He wants essentially to go everywhere he can and learn everything he can. And that really sums it up quite nicely. We have to start looking inward. We have to start getting ready for the next, the next opportunity. Because look, <clears throat> we're at the, um, at the end of April, the beginning of May, and uh, at least in, in the U.S., heavy restrictions will be relieved by the end of May, most likely. Um, and around the country, things will open back up. Maybe there'll be more, you know, COVID spikes and things like that. But research will probably realize that more people have had it than they realize, uh, than they have ever could ever test for and, and um, you know, eventually we'll all get back to it. Things will be recovered, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It may take, it may take a while, but there, there will be something else. There'll be something else to take its place in your life. It may not be a global pandemic, but you'll have difficulty somewhere. Maybe it'll be at your new job if you're part of the millions of people who have become unemployed. Or maybe adjusting back and getting back to your job, there'll be a challenge. There'll be something wrong with your partner. There's always something to take its place. And what I'm suggesting is that you don't look at the specifics of what the problem is. You just look at the overarching possibility of an opportunity to look within, um, no matter what. There'll be a time when you need to use these isolation techniques and tactics to your benefit. And it's time to develop those skills if you haven't. And I guess that's what, that's what I would say to people, whether, the, whether I thought the pandemic was coming to a close or whether I thought it was going to continue for another year or three years or 10 years, whatever. If we have to change, if we had to change our way of life, I'd say the same thing. 
I'd say it's, it's time to train. And if you're with kids in the house and you're getting, you're going crazy, time to train your kids, time to train little monks, little warriors of self-discipline. I would say that to anybody, the narrative wouldn't change. Know what I mean, Rokas? Yeah. It's one of the things Jordan Peterson said uh, in his, was in his 12 Rules for Life. How was, what was the quote for the kids? Don't, don't have your kids do something to make you dislike them. I think something like that, yeah. So yeah, as you were saying, train them to be little monks. That was a nice way of putting it. <laughs> All right, let's, <clears throat> let, we're going to cap it there, everyone. Yep. Um, a little shorter episode this week. Thank you for listening. And thank you for getting after it, moving on, training for everyone who understands what I'm talking about. Thank you for everyone who's just learning about self-discipline. Thank you. Um, if this podcast has been beneficial to you, we appreciate it if you share it to a friend or family member who needs to hear it. And go ahead and reach out, raj at rajanshankara.com to ask questions and let, let, let Rokas and I know uh, what we can talk about next, what we can do better. Um, and if you have something interesting to talk about and want to be on the show, we're trying to interview as many amazing uh, people as we can and to explain and, and express that everyone's got a really interesting and amazing story. Uh, and everyone's had to use their willpower at some point in their life to uh, conquer. And that's really what this podcast comes down to. And um, a lot of podcasts do that, but we hope that you identify and, and can relate to uh, the path that Rokas and I are on. So thanks so much. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.